This episode of Worship Breakaway is brought to you by you, the fans. Welcome back to the show. Uh, a four-game winning streak on the road, and then a disappointing stinker at home. If you want to support the squad, Greg and I, you can go to patreon.com slash Breakaway now and support us as we do this podcast every single week. We'll keep you waiting any longer. Got some, uh, have our Knicks wall friends on, do the state of MSG. Very fun interview with our good, guy, our good guys over at the Knicks wall. And then Greg and I talk about um, what is just an interesting weekend. For five minutes of good hockey, really, if I'm being honest with you. So let's break it all down uh, from top to bottom. Let's get it going. Here we go. Here's Mark Messier. Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Welcome to the week of the Bushwick Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead. I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan. Greg, say hello. Before we get into the poop factor, that was this hockey game. Not Whoa, great. Boy, not fun. Not a fun... Lighter note. More yeah. serious note, even. Yeah. How much is too much to put on a spike bet? Well, how much should we pay for the billboard? <laughs> oh, well, that's too much. Uh, but as everybody knows, there's right. a there's a... A World Series to be played tomorrow. I, if I have to live with Braves fans being happy, I need to be tonight, paid, right? So I'm going to bet every game the Braves money line. My question is, what would you, your? I would guess the Islanders, right? This is the hockey team you would do this against if they made the Stanley Cup final. I couldn't bet on the Islanders. I couldn't do it. But I even uh, no. But you're not really betting on the Islanders. You are demanding I mean, the Islanders pay you for their happiness, right? Right. That. I'm not rooting for the Braves to win. Right. I'm, I'm asking you your dollar amount that you are okay with being like, I would spend X amount of dollars to make sure they lose. Oh, I think being a reasonable person, right? So, for example, our, our, our friend Alex visited me this weekend, and he bet because he knew I was rooting for Liverpool, and he bet immediately $25 on Man, uh, Man United. That didn't really work out for him. <laughs> oh, it sure did not. <laughs> but it felt good for me, and I thanked him, you know. But in, in this situation, I think you're you're talking like fifty to a hundred. But in so base- fifty to me is the minimum because we're in the World Series. In I baseball, was doing it, yeah. It basically I was so doing ten dollars. I was doing ten dollars in the championship series, right? Because it's like if they make the World Series, nobody cares if you just make the World Series. Signed, guy who made it in 2015. And nobody likes to give me credit for right. it. Right. Rangers did that um, too. Very fun. Right. You don't you don't get the participation trophy that comes with just winning the pennant. So that was ten dollar bets. But now I mean like you also think about it from a betting perspective. If I was I know financially stable too far in the weeds for this. Good like, things in the background going on. I would I would I, and I really hated a team like I hated the Braves. I think you gotta drop a Hondo. That's the way it is. That's that's what I'm thinking, because the only the only way it ends disastrously it's not even disastrously. It's just I'm out four hundred dollars. Is if they get swept. <laughs> I can't believe this. <laughs> yeah, right. Because right. if they win, if they win one game, I, I they're going to be the underdog. So in real, I could only lose like two hundred if they win one game. I please keep everyone posted because this will be a this will be quite the week. Let's um, let's get right. Let's to talk the... about let's talk about shitty hockey, shall we? Yeah, because that's what it is. It's. It's something I tweeted over the weekend, and I don't know how I feel about it. It was after the Senators game. I was like, this team is really bad, but it also is good. Like, you know? <laughs> oh, I, the Mets just spent 106 days in first place as a bad baseball team. So I am 
I don't think there's a topic I'm more well versed in. And and that's what I think the Rangers are. They probably and it's not like I'm being biased here or or, or even Vince and Vince is pretty team. I don't want to say he's like. I think he's pretty objective a lot of the he's time. Glass, he's glass half full. He's but glass half full. That's correct. He, even he was like, I have no idea how the Rangers won any of these games on this road trip. Like, no clue. They they had no right coming back into that game against the Senators. And they did. It was awesome. Like, to, to come back and score three goals in five minutes when Kreider, who, by the way, was totally innocent in, uh, in I guess, injuring Matt Murray in that situation. He tried to get out of the way and hit Matt Murray in the head and knocked him out of the game. They took advantage of a cold backup goalie, got back into the game, and then won it in five minutes. That was awesome. But the rest of the game was miserable. And I have to be honest, this has been a trend for the New York Rangers where most of the game is bad defensive shifts, lacking offense. Tonight was giveaway central in the worst ways possible, and then getting exposed in certain ways. Like, Listen, I know Ryan Lindgren and Ryan Reeves got banged up tonight. They both came back. They both played later on. Uh, Reeves Reeves did not play. Sorry, my apologies. Uh, but I know Ryan Lindgren at least took the ice again, which is very important for the New York Rangers. And this is a team that you see out there every, every night getting sort of just exposed over and over again. And they were bailed out by Igor Shesterkin's legendary play, which ended tonight. I mean, a lot of it not his fault. But still, uh, you know, 5-1 final versus Calgary. And then you know, certain players like Adam Fox just going into these modes where it's like, okay, this guy is one of the best players in the NHL. Well, tonight, there were, Panarin showed flashes and Strom had a chance. But other than that, like Mika was a little bit invisible. Kreider was invisible again. There were so many players out there where it was like, these guys aren't acting. They're just, they're not providing the offense you need. And you're lacking the offense to win this game, and that's kind of been the story of the season so far. If Chris Kreider's not scoring within two feet, the team's really not scoring. Not really doing much of the power play. I, I hate to go right to this. It's abysmal. It's freaking terrible. <laughs> it's, so, and Adam Fox runs it, which makes it really confusing. So, Ryan, this is going to surprise you. I'm ready. Uh, I have three pillars that I would like us to work our way through before we get to our interview with our Super dear friends, the the Knicks wall to talk about fun life at MSG. Yeah, fun. Um, but I, I, I want to go piece by piece. Three three principles I, I want to really dive into. Okay. The first one, and I said this on Twitter tonight, I think through seven games, the Rangers are now 4-2-1. and one. They've gotten points in five of seven. I think you have to be at minimum encouraged, at most very happy that – they have that many points in this competitive division when things aren't working. Because, again, I'm not – we'll work through this piece by piece. But I'm not here to say the Rangers are necessarily good. But good teams find ways to get points when it's not working. That's the hallmark of what separates a good team from a bad team. So I think if you're listening to this and you're expecting us to be all negative – I got news for you. I'm not going to be. This is the one thing I, I think you need to be encouraged about. Um, the second there's a point, lot of good. There's a lot. Of good, well, I want. I want to go so far to say there's a lot. But the second point, again, look at it. Let's look at this glass glass half full. Some of the things that are happening for the Rangers, they will regress to the mean in a positive way. Right? We do not expect Mika Zibanejad to be this quiet. We do not expect Artemi Panarin to be this little of a factor. We, The players you entered this season expecting to 
carry the load offensively for the Rangers are currently not. And it would be completely not just out of character, but completely in the face of everything they've done in their careers to this point to suggest that this trend will continue for much longer. Add into the fact that Artemi Panarin has been without his partner in crime, which is Ryan Strom. Capococco has not been on the ice for a, a week at this point. Alexei Lafreniere, because of injury, has had to move up and down the lineup a little bit. So he hasn't been able to find his footing with the same partners on a night-to-night basis. There are reasons to believe the New York Rangers, probably sooner rather than later, will find their scoring touch. We also believe that Gerard Gallant is, a, at worst, a minimum upgrade over their coach last year, who was able to bring offense out of this team. So again, you expect the New York Rangers at some point to begin scoring, which means if they're able to get five points in seven games when they can't score, it's not that the Rangers will... You aren't expecting the Rangers to continue to not score because if they don't, then the wins will stop coming. So in that regard, the Rangers could keep up, the quote-unquote, keep up this winning pace by simply scoring. However, the third point, there are significant things to be worried about. You mentioned the power play. I, it, In my humble opinion, the Senators' game was more bad luck than bad power play in my eyes. I thought the power play was really good. But you look at a night like tonight against a more competent opponent, and it was horrific. Um, just no offense set up. They had one legitimately sound scoring Strum. chance on the power play that was it. in my eyes. And then we know what Strom did. Um, Welcome back, baby. I think they're. <laughs> it's early in the season. Uh, Niels Lundqvist is a child, but call a spade a spade. The third pairing has been bad. I think Niels I might think get sent any, down. Legitimately, I really do. I don't think he'll get. I, 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 I hope not. Me personally, I hope not. Um, but it, it, it's just straight up has not been working. The bottom pairing, and it's not all Niels. Patrick Nemeth, horrific turnover tonight. So I, I understand Lundqvist has struggled at five on five, but. The the veteran presence that was supposed to carry that line is not. And I think that's important to point out. I think it's also important to point out, again, some of it is injury-related, but some guys are being asked to do things they shouldn't be asked to do, specifically Sammy Blay. I was encouraged that Julian Gauthier got back in the lineup tonight. But again, this is kind of Gauthier's MO at this point, where he has a couple things that make you go, man, if he puts it together, and then he does a couple other things that remind you he hasn't, put it together there's plenty um, of defensive shifts with Gauthier where I'm like what is he doing well I don't yeah and then position. I don't really understand what's going on here and and when all these things aren't working which they aren't currently with the Rangers you need a guy like Igor Shosturkin to play like prime Henrik Lundqvist and tonight he didn't it it's not like Shosturkin had a bad night Shosturkin had a if you were if we were grading it on a Shosturkin curve I would say this was probably going to be one of his lesser nights on the season i don't expect them to necessarily have too many games that are worse than tonight and again i don't think he played poorly i think he got hung out to dry multiple times but when you're not getting god mode out of your goalie these warts are a little bit more positive and it doesn't really matter if shesterkin was able to save two or three of those opportunities the rangers weren't creating opportunities themselves it this is this is the moment where it's Again, it, I, I expect the Rangers to start scoring. I can't sit here and say I think the Rangers are going to continue this. They haven't had a game this year where they scored four goals. I don't expect that to continue. 
I'm not saying they're going to average five goals a game the rest of the season. Well, this is a team that but last year had times where they were an offensive powerhouse. Like, yeah, they scored like 17 against the Flyers Yeah, on two nights. Yeah, I, I don't expect them to do that, but I, I don't expect them to average less than two and a half goals a game either. I, I expect them to be better than that. At the same time, that's not going to brush over some of the issues here. The power play, it's kind of astounding. The power play. It's. I well, was this talking. This is what's so confusing. It's like Adam Fox is so great at everything he does, and he runs that power play, and he, he commands the blue line, and yet, so like, I've, they can't I have a theory to run by you, Ryan. Is this the um? This is the the, the positioning theory still with the. Uh, no, no, no. I don't think so. Um, I was texting with our good friend, fan of the show, guy who's on the show all the time, Fitz, about this. It's almost like. The Rangers this season are being asked to play a system on the power play after three years in which their last head coach essentially let them do whatever the fuck they wanted. That's and interesting. I think there's it's a growing period where it's like they're 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 trying so hard to follow the system that they're also forgetting the things that made them fairly successful with Quinn. Now it wasn't successful all the time. I I, I but I more than not, our problem with the power play was personnel and not how it was being run. It was run. always personnel, and it was always we're passing for two minutes, and then it's over. Right, which now it's more how it's being run and not the personnel. Like, sure, would I do I would I rather have Laugh or Kako than Strom? Yeah, but that's not the problem this year. So I wonder if it is just like, and it, this isn't a knock on. Gallant. I think any good head coach should just have a power play system. But maybe Quinn, understanding that he had Adam Fox and Artemi Panarin, is like, what am I going to tell these guys to fucking do at the man advantage? I'm not saying Gallant has to do that entirely, but I think sometimes it doesn't hurt to just trust the dudes on the ice. What was your second pillar? What was so the first pillar was what? I'm just I, I, the second. The second pillar was regressing to the mean. They're going to start scoring. And what's the third? The third pillar is while they start scoring, let's not pretend like the Rangers don't have problems. They have a lot of problems. So the good is this. So you mentioned this already. Ryan Strom and Kako were out for the entire week. They won four games. That's awesome. They All on the road. All on the road. And listen, games like this happen where you come back from a road trip and you just don't have your legs. A couple injuries happen. A couple yeah, goals go we, in. To preview, to preview our interview, we talked about this. The, the Knicks lost to the Magic, a team they should beat. Sometimes shit happens. Yeah, I'm not too. I'm not. I'm not sitting here tonight on a Monday night, Greg, late at night before I fly to Kalamazoo in the morning, uh, talking to you about what like cheats. Yeah, what cheats? Like man, what a good radio segment that was. Anyway, um, I'm not sitting here being upset about this loss. I'm not infuriated. This is kind of one of those ones I write off. This is a game I'll never think about again next week. Like I'll never think about this game ever again. The Rangers stunk tonight. I thought Truba. You know, I we've been over this, but the Trooper Redemption Tour is fully on. Like, I know you've you've been trumpeting, trumpeting Truba, a, a new TV series by Blue Shirts Breakaway, uh, that you've been doing this from the beginning. You called him coming to the Rangers years in advance. But if you're still sitting out there, like, Jacob Trooper's been good for the Rangers. Really good. He's been one of the best five. Would you say he's a, the, one of the best five players for the Rangers this season? Because I think he is. And he might be above uh. Terry Panarin. Like, that's where we're at. I would say I got Igor, he's one of the Igor few Fox. players. He's he's one of the few players 
at least playing up to the standards at which I set for him. Sure. Yeah, and he's playing above them, if I'm being honest. There's... I think he's, I think he's been fantastic. I think he's been the, the leader on the ice the New York Rangers have been claiming that they've needed for years. And then then it goes to the offense, you know, and, and boy, it's just been struggling. Uh, Goodrow is, is as advertised, right? He The offense just kind of dies through him. <laughs> he I, he had a he drew an offensive zone penalty tonight. He had one play that created a very good scoring chance in my eyes. I really don't hate him playing with Stroman Panarin. I'm not I'm not against I, it. I don't hate it, but I hope it doesn't continue. I think it will. <laughs> I don't I don't know because I I it'd be one if the Rangers won tonight two to one. I think maybe, but not it not to be a. Man, I am being way too positive, I think, on this podcast. You're, I think this people is, expect me you're to crushing be really my, my position. Yeah, this is good. Uh, if if you want to look at a silver lining to getting shithoused by the Flames tonight, it's that it would it has to make clear that something has to give. And I think when Kako comes back, he, he will be the something that gives and will immediately go back in the top six playing with Panarin. Well, the good because is... You 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 just you look again. It's it's not just the Flames game, right? You go back to the Senators game where the Rangers only played five good minutes, but that's all you need to beat the Senators. You go back to the Canadians game where again Igor Shesterkin is very good, but it good. The Rangers were good enough to beat the Canadians. You go back to the Stars game where the Rangers. My honestly, my biggest issue with the Rangers is what I don't know if it's just because they're not scoring and it's just more evident. At least earlier. This time last week, we had said the New York Rangers were yet to play a complete hockey game, but we were saying they were at least playing like 35 good minutes. Over the last 120 minutes, I would say the Rangers have maybe played 12 good minutes. I think that's, I would say 12 to 20, maybe. I think 20 would be pushing it. Again, if you want to be a glass half full guy, the fact that they have two points in two games in which they've given a shit in 10% of the time on ice... It's true, and again, you should think that that's not going to continue moving forward. I agree. If it does, we have other things to talk about. At the same time, you are allowed to be concerned in the moment that in the last 120 minutes of time on ice, the Rangers have given a shift for 12%. That's And that's that's true. But here's here's some of the better news. And here's where, where like, we always say this. Last year was a, uh, a gauntlet. The division the Rangers were in last year had no easy games. Well, I guess Buffalo and uh, the Devils were there. So those and the Dev they, they really did have a number on the Devils and Buffalo not as much here and there. But you have to when you're a good when you want to be a good team you have to beat other teams that you don't consider good, right? So the Blue Jackets I think you and I can, can say are probably not a favorite to win the Metro and they play them at home on Friday before they head to the Kraken on Sunday and then to Vancouver on Tuesday night. This is a situation where it's like, okay, you can, we had this, we had this time, we took a road trip, we came back, listen, we just didn't have our legs versus Calgary, they beat the hell out of us, they were, they were better at every position, Igor had an off night, let's just scrap that one goldfish memory, 10 seconds, whatever, you go, you, the Blue Jackets coming to MSG on Friday, you take care of business, no big deal, then you go to Seattle on a Sunday night, or it's going to be 6pm for the Rangers when they're there, 9pm on the East Coast here, obviously, that's how time zones work, and in this case, you could, if you beat the Kraken and you beat the Blue Jackets, your your record is good. Like you're you're in a good place in the Metro. You, I know the the Carolina Hurricanes are on an absolute tear right now. I think they're five and zero. 
Um, and they just beat the Leafs, which I see. Uh, smack the Leafs. Oh, and again, things could be worse. We could be a Leafs podcast right now. That's true. I mean, I, I, I don't even know what Dangle's doing up there. I'm sure it's a miserable time. There is there. A, I'll, I'll, I'll one up you, Greg. I didn't want to do this, mm-hmm. but we could be a Chicago Blackhawks podcast. Yeah, and if everybody who wants to complain about Jacob Trouba's contract, just I will send you Seth Jones's contract <laughs> every time. And I think yeah. now, Ryan, I think it's also worth pointing this out. Mm-hmm. The only other team in the entire Eastern Conference that has played as many games as the New York Rangers to start this year are the Leafs. And the New York Rangers have played five of those games on the road. And again, in a com- division as competitive as the Metro, the Rangers have nine points in seven games. That deserves to be applauded i don't want everything to be all doom and gloom at the same time (laughs) in the metro the only team with a negative goal differential is the new york rangers and that is i understand it's a small sample size but that's also a direct reflection of when things won't go well with the rate the rangers aren't scoring and they've lost only two games and they are the only team with a negative goal differential in the division. I don't expect that to continue. But if it does, then Rangers will not get points out of five or seven games the rest of the year. I'll it's put it this happen. way. I just think last year, we, wa- we watched all the games. We were at home. There was nothing to do. We watched every single game. And I got news for you, Ryan. I still have very little to do. <laughs> facts? Facts? Um, I went bowling today at 1.30 in the afternoon. I know. I can't believe that happened. It's really, it's what else really was I going to do? Like, what <laughs> You need to get out of the house. Someone help, Greg. Uh, in in this case, I, I just think the, the Ranger team of last year doesn't win all four of those games on the road. So there is something different about this squad, whether it's the grit, grind, toughness, or whatever it is, the mentality. There was a pretty damning quote from Jacob Truba saying, you know, we just feel a lot more comfortable this year. I don't know if it was a shot at David Quinn or a shot at somebody else. Or that's not I don't, know, here, I don't but... know how you read it, but it it played in line with what I said during the Senators game where the very clearest thing I can give Gerard Gallant credit for to begin this season is there's that motherfucker does not panic. He is chill as a cucumber. He trusts the process. He trusts his players to do what they need to do. I I don't know if it would have been a hundred percent in every game so far, but after those first periods, at least the last three games lines get jumbled. And I think when I heard Jacob Truba's quote, I take the cohesiveness as everybody knows, regardless of how the game's going, who the hell they're playing with, who needs to step up, what opportunities they're going to have, their role on the team. And I give Gallant all the credit in the world for that. I think that is the clearest win in Gallant's column so far this season. At the same time, come back to me at the end of December. If the Rangers' offense doesn't turn around, got to be on someone. And I can't. I can only get angry at Chris Drury so many times. I'm I'm right there with you. It's a position where the Rangers are. They're they're going to struggle until until the system changes. But Gallant, I mean, even when when was asked today by Vince Mercogliano, he was like, "Hey, do you think?" I mean, to, to surmise the quote was, "Do you think there's a problem with the power play?" He goes, "No, I think that's a media narrative." Like I don't know, <laughs> three three of twenty eight. It's pretty bad. At, the, at this, I I don't want to. I don't want to be the. Gallant stand because I'm, I'm you should, tired you of fight it. Fight, let's go, do it. I just, I think Gallant. His point is, if I got Fox, Zabenejad, and Panarin on my power play, what the fuck else do you want me to do? And to that, I kind of, can you disagree with them? Like, 
the Rangers power play can't be this bad the entire year just on the talent in which they are putting out there. And Chris Kreider, we've seen it. He's the man that you want in front of the crease to just clean up garbage. So what what does Gallant need to change? It, it comes down to, I guess, zone entries, right, and setting up the physical power play. And play, they're clearly struggling in that regard, and I agree. At the same time, mm-hmm. at some point, you do have to trust the players on the ice to get it done. And you're telling me a unit, again, that has arguably the best defenseman in the NHL, the best playmaker in the NHL, and a top 10 sniper in the NHL, and they're not scoring on the power play? It's not like Gallant's going to take those three guys or even one of those three guys off the unit. And if he does, then we have a problem. Mm-hmm. So it's to, to his point, it's I don't think it's a media narrative. I think Vince is right. Something is not clicking on the power play. At the same time, it's a, there's a good possibility that something is just that the players aren't playing very well right now. Let's uh, I, I think that's my end of my thoughts on the last couple of games because tonight was just such a bummer of a hockey game where it was just we're sitting around waiting for the Rangers to do really literally anything out there. And tonight, just... you know what tonight is? Tonight is how he would have sounded last week had that five on uh, three on three overtime not been just straight drug. I was I was sitting in between periods and I was like, oh my god, I I hope this goes to overtime. I was gonna tweet it. And I was like, I just well, I know I'm gonna jinx it. Whatever. I'll, I'm just gonna sit here and wait. But there was no, there was just like very little life from any portion of the game tonight. I just, there was no, I, I could even feel like the arena like being sapped like in front of my eyes from my living room. They started, they started the third well. Um, right, they came out. You and I was always like, third have to Rangers, wonder. Here we go. And it just didn't work out. You, you, you do have to wonder. I, we talk about like 10 point and 14 point swings in football all the time, but because so many points are being scored in football, it maybe doesn't sink in. But that two goal swing when Blay was unable to finish in front of the crease would have been a hard finish. I'm not, I'm not blaming uh, the Blaby on that one. I, I'm still pro Blay. <laughs> no one get angry. Blah, blah, blah. Buchnevich, blah, blah, blah. Reference, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, nice. Um, but going from that to immediately the Nemeth turnover. It sapped so much juice out of that period. And then it looked like the Rangers were able to kickstart that third. And then minutes, not even minutes, seconds after the Dryden yeah, hunt. top shelf. Uh, that, as soon as that third goal went in, the Rangers were like, well, we lost. Yeah. What are and, you going to do? And it's Monday night, and there's a long season. And I kind of don't blame them, if I'm being honest. They knew. They knew what the situation they, was. The Rangers have played like seven games in essentially – what, 11 days? It's going to get crazier, and too. All, again, five of them on the road. I was looking at the and December schedule. Back to back to start the season. Rangers have played a lot of fucking hockey already. Yeah. So I, it, it's hard for me. I am – all I'm also going to say, and then we'll we'll toss to the Nick Wall boys. Well, we're going to do some five-star questions first, but yeah. Oh, sure. Um, But there was a time, Ryan, remember, we had Jeff Ballone on this show towards the middle of April, maybe the end part of April. And at that point, the Mets were like seven and three, eight and three. And we were talking with Jeff and I said something along the lines of the Mets are winning games without scoring runs. So you would think that sooner or later, this team is just going to score. So it's not that in the moment, the record the Mets had was unsustainable if it continued. But the thought process was there's no way it could continue. There's no way this team will not start scoring runs with this lineup. Well, all I'm saying is there's a reason why the Atlanta Braves are in the World Series. That's it. We got to figure that out. That's the question to be answered. And how do how do the Rangers manufacture that 
over the next couple of weeks. Let's get to some five star questions. We'll go to our friends. Let's get Wall. to some five star questions. This is a question presented from, by nobody. Presented by everybody on the Patreon. What are you talking about? Oh yeah, presented by the people <laughs> that matter the most. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> this is from Ollie. Um, I'm going to summarize this question. But dumb question from a newish Ranger fan here. Why do all hockey fans hate a Jewish Ranger fan? Newish, newish. Oh, damn. Sorry. Well. Uh, yeah, we're not all perfect. Why do all hockey fans hate the shootout? Is it because you see them so many times or to settle an unimportant game? In other sports, they have ties on the regular season. Pretty much goes on to say, like, international soccer tournaments are settled that way. It's very controversial in some ways. But, like, to me, I'd rather have the tie. I just would. We've talked about it endlessly. On especially this especially in the regular season. Um, no, playoff there's hockey a reason goes, why they don't do it in playoffs. Playoff hockey is the best when it's in overtime. It's great. You go six. You, Seth Jones goes six overtimes, and it's never the same again. And then you sign up to an eight-year contract. It's awesome. Yeah. To me, and it's, it's something our good friend, uh, enjoy retirement, Rick, it's a skills competition that gets put on the end of an actual game, right? It would be like you go 12 innings in a baseball game, and all of a sudden it's a home run derby. It just You want to do it. Or like – a basketball game goes two OTs, and now it's just a three-point contest. And I, I understand it, why soccer how, has to do shootouts after, you know, 120,000 minutes of people right. running full speed. It's a little different. When you're skating on the ice and you and you can replace players, people can sit down. You can't sit down in soccer. You get subbed, and that's it. All right. But And again, we should make note that soccer understands that in the regular season, there's nothing wrong with the tie. In fact, it adds a different layer of strategy. And I... I'm totally fine if they make OT one 10-minute three-on-three period. If it doesn't get settled after that, just call it a tie. Tie it up. Three. Call it a day. We've talked about this forever. Winner three points, tie one point, zero points for the loser. Done. Easy. Yeah. And no no loser point in OT either. Get rid of the loser point. Like if you go to overtime, you either win or you tie. And if you don't win or tie, you get no points. That's the way it should be. With you. Uh, despite... The death of, this is from David, despite the death of Summer of Anything, which clearly had nothing happen, do you think the Rangers fan base needs to step outside, touch some grass, and calm down, seeing how the team hasn't played 10 games yet, and the the Cravy Drury feud seems to be kind of both individuals' faults? I mean, we, that's pretty much been this whole podcast, right? Like, everything's all... Yeah, we, I, there, there are problems. It's okay to acknowledge the problems. You could sit yes. back and say, yes, I'm angry about these things, but all circumstances considering... Like, Rangers are in a good spot. Things could definitely be worse with how the Rangers have played. Yeah. Things will definitely get worse if they keep playing this way. But I think there are also enough reasons to think that things should get better for the Rangers. And I, I, I said it on Twitter tonight. I don't think you can panic, but I think it's well within your rights to begin asking questions. Yeah. Uh, this is from Matty Jack, uh, a legendary supporter. Considering injuries and COVID protocol and how the Rangers have played despite not having key players in their lineup, how would you rate their play on a scale of 1 to 10? Ooh, 4? four. Uh, Igor's a 9.799999. Correct, yeah. No no um, doubt about it. I'm just you doing... take Igor out of the equation... <laughs> I think it's a 4. <laughs> I, think, I think that's fair. Yeah. Like, I... I'm I don't not trying think to be mean. Higher. Like, yeah, they just no, they're not playing. They're not playing well. I, 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 I'm not going as positive as I'm trying to be. I'm not going to sit here and say the New York and, Rangers. And you know, I'm a solid guy. I, I am. I really am. Yeah, it's weird that I'm trying to be more positive than you tonight. What's what's going on? You got problems? What's happening? I'm just leaving really early in the morning. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, CFB19 says, if you only had had to have one, would you rather have a soft cap luxury tax system or only four years of RFA? 
if I could only have one of the options given me, a soft cap. Same. I don't think it's close. I would also, I'd just, whatever the NBA is doing, adopt everything. Four-year contracts, five-year contracts. I'm with the five-year contract. That's the way to go. Eight years is too much. I'll keep saying it until the Cows come home. Players need to get paid. Salary cap needs to go up, but it needs to be five years. It yeah, works for both sides. Listen, if it's, if it's something that even baseball doesn't like to do on a constant basis unless you're literally God status, yeah, stop doing it. Uh, but this is the this is the world the NHL has created, and we just have to live in it. Final question. If Dan, Dan from L.I., if Kessel does become a Ranger, I only have one question. What is your favorite hot dog brand? The correct answer is Nathan's. I'm gonna I'm gonna shock you guys. If, if Kessel becomes a Ranger, do we have to start asking people again? Is a hot dog a sandwich? It's gotta come back. That's for sure. Yeah. Right. Like we'd almost be doing people. I kind of feel like I know this is a hockey stat minor, just kind of willing it into existence thing, but it does make sense, and it does seem like he could be a Ranger by the middle of the season. Um, uh, yeah. Well, I know he won't be. Uh, hold on, I'm pulling up cap friendly. Yes. Give me a second. That's totally and then fine. I'll let you go to sleep, Kalamazoo boy. I'll, I'll talk shit about Nathan's. Um, I think Nathan's is okay. I think their crinkle fries are actually better than their hot dogs. I don't think there's anything. I don't think there's a thing called a good hot dog. Oh, I love How's hot that? dogs. Love them. I I don't dislike hot dogs. I just I I know what a hot dog is. I don't think like <laughs> I don't expect a hot dog. I had to knock me off. I my had feet. the Detroit dogs when I was out there where they do like the beanless chili. That was interesting. I like I like takes would, on hot dogs. There's, there's would you would you look at that? He is exactly eight million dollars, and on the final year of the deal, a very modified no trade clause and a no move. How do you have a modified no trade clause and a no movement clause? Phil Kessel, baby. Doesn't one beget the other? Well. It does seem like he's a he's a chance or an option. As soon as uh, Mister You Know Who gets traded somewhere else, maybe the Rangers take a look there. Who knows? Who gets oh yeah. who gets traded first, Phil Kessel or Jack Eichel? <laughs> Kessel, yeah, Kessel. Yeah, Kessel every day. Yeah, the Coyotes are fucking terrible. Yeah, that's fine. All right, um, let's go to our interview with the Knicks Wall. Love you guys. Uh, yeah, tra- Knicks Wall. Yeah, yeah, transition. Hey, we're back with our first and only guest of the day. We're having our our annual. MSG showdown? I don't know what it's called. A board meeting? It's us on the Knicks wall. We have Anthony Corbo and Kyle Maggio. Kyle, how are you, my friend? I'm great, man. Thanks for having us on. How's everything? It's uh, it's doing good. I, I watched a little bit of Knicks on opening night, as was an incredible experience. And then I watched very little of the Orlando Magic game, which was a less incredible experience. But we have a lot to go over with, uh, with MSG. This is the first year we were just talking previously before the podcast started here where... Uh, I think both sides are kind of like in a positive spin. We're both expected to make the playoffs. And I guess, when's the last time you even heard from James Dolan? It's been a good long time now. I mean, it's it's been the Leon Rose show for a while now. As long as he's doing whatever he wants, I think he's keeping uh, Dolan pacified, which is about the only way you can really have James Dolan. He's always going to be there. Yeah, so uh, this is a good point because – it does seem like Dolan has found his two, I don't know, I, I guess trusted, I don't want to call them minions because minions is not the right term, uh, but like appointed leaders for both organizations. So for, on your side, Leon Rose is sort of the head of everything basketball with the Knicks. And he seems super competent, very modern, up to date, and understanding all those things. On our side, we have this guy named Glenn Sather. He's done a lot. He's been around since uh, the ancient times when uh, dinosaurs walked the earth. And he still believes in the grit and grind. Uh, and I, I don't think we'll be hearing a lot from Dolan, either of us, this season. But it does seem that the appointed uh, leaders have been in place and are pulling the strings on every single but level. 
Ryan, the, the weirdest part about the names you brought up, and I'm going to – I the first question I want to ask Maggio and Corvo too is – Correct me if I'm wrong, boys. We've heard and seen Leon Rose in front of a camera, what, once in the last, like, 30 months? Has it been more? Am no, I that's, forgetting that's about right? No, he, he, he doesn't speak a lot. And when he does speak, it's, it's usually very vanilla. It's very generic. And Corbo knows this because for, like, God, you know, the first, first four years, whatever, we're doing the pod, like, every time we would have a new hire, a head coach, a GM, a president of operations, whatever you want to call it, right? We always said, stop talking, bro. Stop talking. I'm so tired of you talking. I don't want to hear nothing. I don't want to hear about the plans. I don't hear about what you think you could do. Just go do something. Just shut up and go do something. And you know what Leon Rose did? He got hired, and he shut the fuck up, and he just did stuff. <laughs> and it's amazing. That's all that we care about, bro. He just shuts up, and, and, and he just, get, like, nails the picks, the signings, whatever it is. I, I don't care. He could do – I never trust a front office. And I'm like, this guy that I've heard from maybe once, twice, I trust that guy. The funny part about this is, too, like, the all, the guys that, like, we had bemoaned for years are still hiding out within the organization. Like, Scott Perry is still very much the Knicks general manager, uh, and he was a huge part of the problem when he was here. And Steve Mills, while he has been relegated to janitorial duty at this point, he is, uh, you know, he's still there. He hasn't been fired or anything yet, so... It's. I think it's just been that that one that one figure of competence to come in and didn't like spared no time cleaning up the messes of his uh, former, uh, you know, the the people he succeeded, but uh, you know has now had the time to instill his own vision as well. Yeah, that seems to be the case where no one really gets fired at MSG. Everyone kind of gets demoted and still stays on the paycheck, which, hey, man, that's great. Keep getting them checks. I'm, not, I'm about that. But they always also linger in the background. So for the both of you, if you don't remember or didn't realize, um, there were there was a new president and new GM at the Rangers organization. They both were fired on the same day uh, due to a couple different things happening, including the Rangers getting the crap kicked out of them by the Islanders, the Rangers getting the crap kicked out of them by Tom Wilson, and um, seemingly the... Shadow figure, or I guess uh, Emperor Palpatine, Glenn Sather, still sort of trying to pull the strings in the background of the New York Rangers, uh, and then them, them instilling their Anakin Skywalker and Chris Drury, hoping he can. I would say he's more Snoke, honestly. Yeah, it's uh, it does seem that way. Yeah, we're going super nerdy here, but yes, uh, there's there's a, there's a lot of that going on. Do you feel like like Leon Rose is the the guy that's totally in charge? There's no one lurking. Like Mills isn't going to come in and be like pick this guy and then Leon Leon always has that role because for us it's Glenn Sather I feel like even though Chris Jury is GM Sather still has like the final say on everything to stick with the Star Wars analogs um, I would say that maybe Leon Rose is more akin to Grand Moff Tarkin (laughs) uh, in that he's actually he's still kind of like on someone's whim he's still kind of doing dolan's whim like you know there's enough there to keep him like uh you know there's there's enough order coming from the top to keep dolan satiated but there's there's also a figure of competence there who is running the show running his own decisions as long as things keep going according to plan he's able to run a stable ship got it yeah three people will really enjoy that reference by the way um, so we we are now in a situation where both teams are poised to fight for the playoffs. Um, I guess Corbal, I'll start with you. Do you, the Rangers are going to be fighting tooth and nail? They're in the Metro. It is rough, uh, rough for any team in the Metro to try and make it because there's six teams that are 
pretty good. They just are going to grit and grind the whole way through the season, every squad. With the Knicks, what is the scenario where they don't make the playoffs in the East? I think it's improvement from other teams. I I think you see, like, a good example is, like, my current city, Chicago Bulls, uh, at this point. I've lived here for a decade, so I should just say my hometown. But uh, Chicago Bulls are a big team who have improved, and they're going to continue to improve the season as, like, their 3-0 record shows. Um, You have teams like, you know, Boston is still hanging around very consistently there and may prove to even get better. You so you have Philadelphia, who you know once they figure yeah. out their situation, are going to be able to you know stick around at that top five. You have you know you still have like the Nets, you have the Bucks, you have all these other teams. It's just going to be. I think it's going to be a lot harder for the Knicks to secure that top four seed that they had last season, um, and potentially even remain in the playoff or fall into the play-in tournament. But um, you know, I think that's probably what their floor is looking like at this point. Maggio, Maggio, I'll I'll redirect this to you in a in a in a different different way. It seems to me, from where I sit, uh, I'm still a Nick noob. I, I I go to the Knicks wall anytime I need my Knicks fix, and I'm trying to get you guys to coach me up on anything going on. So from where I sit, the Knicks are like a solid year ahead of the Rangers. Whereas last year, even in all the COVID stuff, was it would have it would have been very nice for the Knicks to make the playoffs, and we're all happy that they did but it wouldn't have been the end of the world. We don't think if they didn't. And now this is the year where a Nick fan finally has expectations and hopes. Um, and the Rangers, it's like, this is the year we're all kind of hoping them to make the playoffs, but I don't think anyone's going to burn it down if we don't. But next year we'll be in the exact same boat Knicks fans are in this year. So you tell me for the last better part of the last decade, we've lived in a world where we've just wanted the Knicks to not be terrible. So what is this existence like for you, a Nick fan with expectations for the first time since probably that 2012-2013 season? I can't even believe, like, how quickly I got to this state of mind. But, like, I'm so okay with, like, anything that happens for, like, the next two years almost. Like, even, last, like, entering this year, for example, right, Corbo knows I love to get upset. I love it. I don't like to admit it to people. I love to get upset. I love a good argument. I don't know if it's because it's the Italian in me. I don't know, but I, I love it. It's something in my system, right? Right. So the only thing I could have gotten annoyed about was the Evan Fournier contract initially. I was like, $80 million seems like a lot for a guy who doesn't really do much besides score the basketball, but we needed a guy who could score the basketball, so it was okay. And then I quickly didn't get annoyed about that because they signed Kemba Walker for $8 million American dollars, which is like nothing in the NBA. So – I mean, for me, having expectations this year, I mean, I'm still sort of riding the the it's a bonus thing from last year because the way that I'm looking at it was, all right, we didn't expect you guys to get here. You got to the playoffs. You won one game. Kind of got your butts kicked, but sort of your own fault because you brought back basically the exact same team from the year before except two only two players really got tremendously better, right? So RJ and uh, Julius Randle. So this year, it's like, all right, well, I mean, my expectations are more or less the same, bro. Like, the East is tough. They got better, like Corbo said. The Bulls got better. The Pacers, uh, I guess, fired their lunatic head coach, so they figured to be a little bit better this season. Uh, They were formerly a a perennial playoff team. The Heat reloaded with Kyle Lowry. So, I mean, to me, it is sort of more or less about the East. But, I mean, expectation-wise, make the playoffs. Contend in that first round, possibly make the second round. Literally it. That's it. I have no other – no other – 
like uh, big expectations. You know, with Melo, that era, you have a superstar. You expect to get to the second round almost, you know, first, second round every year is like a given. This year, it's like, I, I, I just want to see what they can do because there's like so much, nobody really knows the sort of untapped potential. You know, Julius Randle by himself as the engine for you know more or less last year got you into the playoffs and, and winning a game. Okay, well, R.J. Barrett, season three, after taking a tremendous stride, is he going to get better? Uh, you know, sort of this homegrown development, which makes it easier to be patient and hopeful with it. And, uh, you know, from there, like the additions they made don't seem to be too overbearing. So it's like, yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty modest over here for most of us. We're just like, get back to the playoffs. Try to win a series. You should win a series now. You can't lose in the first round two years in a row. Basically, uh, obligatory just saying Kemba Walker is making only eight million American dollars and it's no big deal. Just obligatory. This is why hockey fucking sucks because yeah. we're over here bitching about Mika Zibanejad, the fourth or third most important Ranger, making eight and a half. And everybody, I saw, I saw Ryan. I wanted to bring that up. I saw Ryan getting wrecked one wrecked. day on Twitter, wrecked, wrecked. And, dragged, and, and I was I was stunned because you never get wrecked. Like I mean, not like that no. on Twitter, like. People were really upset at you, and I was like, I don't, I, I didn't see what the big deal was. Obviously, I'm a more casual Ranger. I just said I, I wish like, he took eight, the eight million instead of eight point five, and I said it would have been better for the Rangers if he took six years instead of eight. And people were like, "You're an idiot," and I was like, well, "Those are facts. <laughs> like, it would have been better. <laughs> it would have been better for the Rangers if he took five hundred thousand dollars less, and he wasn't able to go to full term." I mean, eight years is insane. Imagine you gave an NBA player eight-year contract. Can you think about that? Like, other than, like, those top-tier no, players, like, obviously you'd want to give LeBron and KD these eight-year contracts. No doubt about it. But when you're talking, like, and I like Julius Randle a lot, like, eight years for Julius Randle is insane. That's freaking crazy. But we just do that in hockey, and it, it blows my mind. Yeah, you can't. You got to account for gritty. Yeah, we love the grit. It's, uh, uh boy. I, so... Now, to kind of go off what you were saying, Maggio, I, I think there's one thing that maybe – I think it's maybe because R Nick's Twitter and Ranger's Twitter just live in such vastly different worlds. But have, have the four of us, every time we do this podcast, have we underplayed the seemingly hand-in-hand -hand relationship between R.J. Barrett and Capococco? Have you ever seen, like, two guys on I'm the exact you. same projection status, the exact same draft year, the exact same – place in the draft essentially and these two guys struggled as rookies clear leaps as second year players and now we finally have these sky the limit expectations for these just top prospects i can't think of a time i, I understand the rangers also have adam fox and Alexi lafreniere and the knicks don't exactly have as many young players but these two guys i feel like we're not doing a good enough job of being like what the fuck are the odds of this happening at the, exactly the same time for two players that fan bases are incredibly excited about. It's, a, it's drafted a, the same year too. Yeah, same year. There's there is a lot. Um, is there another prospect that that Nick fans are even like pumped on right now? Am I missing that? Yeah. So pop in, dude. Last, oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. So Obi, He's twenty seven years old. Let's relax. <laughs> Obi Toppin was the lottery, was the lottery pick last year that a lot of people poo pooed when we drafted him because, like you said, he was older. And then, uh, I mean, I was. When we came on the pod last year and you guys asked me about this, I remember specifically saying, like, I don't really care. Like, we never have guys who can score the basketball. He apparently can score the basketball, so I'm with it. But quickly ended up being the guy that, like, really dominated last year for them because obviously we had uh, number six playing point guard for the New York Knicks. And uh, 
doesn't end well. So you need help uh, wherever you can get it. So quickly kind of dominated, but this year we shored up some of the backcourt issues and now Obi's kind of flourishing again with the shorthanded front court. So, I mean, more or less, it's just kind of weird that we all have multiple prospects that are, we're all, we like sort of feel good about because normally it's always like Kevin Knox and Frank Nielakino. You know what I mean? It's like that. And where are they now? Kevin Knox, I haven't <laughs> seen in, in months. I mean, he's on the bench apparently, but I, I don't even notice that he's there. Frank's down in Dallas now. So it's like, it is kind of nice that like there's a couple of bankable good young prospects, you know, depending on how good they're going to be, but you know they don't suck. Well, I want to talk about the culture change uh, for both organizations because they both, I would say this summer was a huge culture change for both the Knicks and the Rangers. On the Rangers side, it was like we're sick of being a team that quote unquote gets pushed over, even if they really didn't. They were a skilled team, but they wanted to take it to the next level and add the grit. I think the Knicks in general have, and maybe you can tell me them wrong have stopped being a laughingstock and like have maybe become an actual, for once, a legitimate free agent destination by changing legitimate, I said legitimate twice because it's that serious, basketball culture. Am I am I right in that, Corbo? Yeah, I mean, there are a bevy of Knicks haters out there still, but um, That's everywhere. You know, there have been. And there's like, and there are a ton of people who overplay how good the Knicks are too and like treat this team like they're, you know, perennial contenders. Um, you know, the, the truth exists in the middle. And honestly, I think the mainstream is starting to kind of catch that a little bit. I was even seeing one of somebody who I know is not given the Knicks credit for many years has been, you know, Zach Carper, uh, from a publisher whose name will not be named. Um, and he, he, uh, put in his, his season or his, uh, week one power ranking so far that the Knicks are no longer a laughing stock. Exactly how you put it. Wow. So I didn't even read he, that. So he like it's 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 kind of proven like you have national media now starting to not treat them as a laughing stock. They don't need like that's that's where the point lies. It doesn't need to be a like we don't need this team to be revered. Like they're obviously doing the hard work. They're doing some of that gritty work, which has started to infect MSG. Maybe it's Nick's mythology coming over to the Rangers right now that's causing all this for you guys. But uh, but you know it's it, you're at this point where they are finally you know, starting to be recognized. They're doing it in the second year now. They need to keep this up. And I think if they can keep this, they can keep this momentum going for a couple of years. They're going to just be playoff contenders and they're not going to the sting of the last, I mean, you could say the last six years of rebuilding or you could say the last 26 years of rebuilding. The sting is kind of starting to wear off. They just need to do it this year and they need to continue doing it in years to come without those little gaps in between. I do, I, I do wonder... And I, I want to hear Maggio's take on this too, though. Um, if the Knicks were bad last year, do we think the Rangers turn everything on its head? Like if, if both teams were bad, instead mm-hmm. of just the Rangers being the bad team, do we think the Rangers stay the course a little more? Because I, they, they, quite frankly, Dolan would have had something else to worry yeah, about. To rephrase this, if... The Knicks were just garbage. They probably wouldn't just... Because the Knicks were so good and it's such a nice surprise and MSG was bumping during the playoffs. They had to be pissed about something. And it was the Rangers. It's also like Dolan Dolan sees those Knicks playoff games as like, this shit is incredible. Why are the Rangers not doing this? Also, as he rolls in the money from tickets, yes. (laughs) But Maggio, (laughs) I want to hear your take on the culture too. I just... I wanted to drop that carrot in there because it makes you think. But I want to I want to get your take on the changing of the Knicks culture, the LOL Knicks era possibly being over, 
and if you think this is something that can carry over to both franchises. I think it can this time. Um, I think they sort of, in a way, safeguarded themselves against uh, certain mistakes. I think, for example, little things that they've done, little things. Like when you when you fall sort of ass backwards into an all-NBA second-team talent like Julius developed into last season, uh, I was screaming almost like a third to the season, like, hey, I don't think what he's doing is, uh, you know, not sustainable. So maybe just extend him right away because it, the price is only going to go up. If this, you know, everybody was anticipating it was a fluke or regression, something, you know, he's going to not do as well this year. I thought that was very silly because uh, have, has anybody watched Tom Thibodeau coach teams? Uh, when he likes a dude, he loves a dude. And when he's convinced and trusts a dude, that's it. That guy just gets full reign forever. So for me, it was like, I enjoyed seeing like Tibbs come in and kind of like set a tone with Julius and be like, hey man, you're a bruiser, sure, but you could also do some bruising playing like a guard. And they basically enabled him to play like a guard. They extended him right away. As soon as the offseason ended, boom, here's four years, $116 million, something like that. Very team-friendly, to be honest with you, because if Julius waited one season, he could have been offered a full max from teams up to $200 million, which I don't think he would have gotten, but he would have gotten more than the 160. So seeing the Knicks just, like, get ahead of some of that stuff and just take care of their own guys, to me – is a tremendous culture change stuff because they never take care of their guys because there's no guys to take care of. Nobody comes here. And when they do, they never keep them. They never take care of them. They never do them proper, you know, do them right, like the Carmelo era, you know, the, the Andrea Bargnani trade. So it's like, Ugh. for me, just to see, like, mm-hmm. I know, so just, just to see some of those things happen, like, just like common sense. And it's not even like complicated stuff. Just like, ah, yeah, Julius is really good this year. We should probably just pay him. And everyone, everyone just like looks around the room now and they're just like, yeah, let's just do that. All right, day one, they get it done. They hit Julius up. Julius is like, yeah, I, I want to be here. That's it. That's all that I want. Oh, we did so the exact opposite, Maggio. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, as Greg says, I mean, the, the balance has to, to give a little bit someplace. We can't have it exactly perfect, but I feel like we're nearing that anyway a little bit. I know Dolan was a little bit more present in Rangers land this, this year, which is unfortunate for you guys, but um, I – I can't imagine he's going to stay there. Yeah, here's my thing with you guys. Here's how so, this went. Oh, sorry, Carbo. Go ahead. You know, I was going to say, just to tackle on to Maggio's point real quick about uh, about the about Julius Randle and being for real. I was one of the initial skeptics of Julius Randle. I would say probably up until right about just after Christmas. I was still saying you move him to, you know, Charlotte and try to get a first out of him because we could always use more first round picks. I, I, you know, from my days of co-hosting the Knicks Ball podcast with Maggio, who, which, by the way, they've done a fantastic job of continuing in my absence. But uh, I was one that I've always been, you know, I would never had as much trouble with the rebuild as, as he did. I was always one to say, you know, keep acquiring assets. Eventually, one of these is going to work out. And it got to the point, you know, with Julius Randle, where I was still saying, keep acquiring assets. I don't think what he's doing is sustainable. But when he kept that going over the course of the entire year, and then, you know, pay him, paid him over the summer to, like like you're saying, totally team-friendly contract and everything like that. Um, and then, you know, has continued to do it through the preseason, continued to do it through the beginning of this year. Like, this guy is for real. There's no reason for anyone to be skeptical about him anymore. And you can tell a big part of that jump is because of that shift in culture from the rebuilding teams of the, you know, the late teens of this century, I guess. Yeah, that's all. It's all been there. I mean, uh, to mirror you of what we did, 
was we traded away our best right wing. We were like for free. And then we were like, we're going to hit everybody as hard as possible. And it's worked so far. Like, I can't complain about it. Like, we were the Rangers just won four in a row on the road. Uh, we're recording before the game at, at home at MSG tonight. But it's kind of the situation where they're playing so poorly, but they're winning every game. And I imagine that's not what's going to be happening with the Knicks, where it's kind of like you have nights where you can compete with these top teams, and you can laugh when Brooklyn starts have this has the start that they have had so far on top of all the drama and a bunch of other stuff going on around them. Well, well, not just that, Ryan, but we, we now live in a world where when the Knicks have a bad night, like I, I would assume Maggio Corbo, you guys would say last night's game against the Magic was a bad night. The, the things seemed to be off. They weren't hitting shots from deep. It didn't, it didn't feel like the Knicks that we were accustomed to seeing, especially coming off the previous game against the exact same team. And yet, a bad night for the Knicks was just a four-point loss at home. Like, we're, we're past the era of these Knicks teams just getting waxed by teams they should win. A bad night for the Knicks is now still a competitive basketball game. And that's, I guess that's like a, to your point of culture shift with the Knicks and Tom Thibodeau. Like, Tibbs, right to be pissed. The Knicks blew a big lead and they, you know, should have, the Magic are a team you should beat. It's weird that we just now live in this world where the Knicks have a bad night and it's still a 50-50 game they can win. Yeah, I mean, they're still losing against some of those winnable teams. They had a bad game against Orlando, but then they also blew the brakes off of Orlando right before that. So it's like you still have a little bit of a toss-up. But most of it seems like if they're not getting it going, it's it's due to – you know, it not being a, a guy's night or, you know, some of the vets on the team having some tired legs, some of the rotations need to get swapped around every now and again, you know, you have to be able to shift, you know, you know, play uh, Derek Rose and, and Kemba Walker in shifts there. Uh, you know, if Fournier's shot's not dropping, there's going to be a lot that, that goes off of that. If RJ's having a poor game, there's a lot that's going to ride on that. But you're right when you're saying that there's not, there's just not that same, there's not that same st- like situation where everybody is firing off, the team can't miss, and you know they still manage to get blown out by a team that you think they should be able to beat. I just love how Knicks fans haven't caught up to like the sky is falling all the time after a loss. Like we lost to the Magic last night, and if you really like take a step back and look in full context, it really wasn't that bad, even though it sounds bad, but. Our, our, our mentions immediately after the game. You know, for example, Julius Randle had like a 30-10 double-double with his usual, you know, bunch of assists. And then uh, he also had like six combined blocks and steals. Like he basically did like everything he could do on a court, except he didn't shoot the basketball very well. He got to the free throw line a lot at an off-night shooting, which we know last year he was uber-efficient. Immedi- our mentions immediately, 10-15. Oh, I saw Julius killed us. I saw Julius this. I saw- if Julius would just pass the fucking ball, da, 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 he killed it. Okay. What actually happened was none of the Knicks could shoot a basketball last night, including Julius. And at the same time that that was happening in the fourth quarter, Terrence Ross decided he was going to score not some of his points, all of his points, all of the Magic's points in the fourth quarter by himself. So it took a supernova performance by a role player for the Orlando Magic. At the same time, all of the Knicks forgot how to shoot a basketball. So to me, it's like that was the context, and we lost by, you know, like Greg said, four or six points. It's like it's not that bad. And the fact that, like, you have to tell Knicks fans this now is like this is it's like a good position to be in, but it's like, you know, all right, let's take it easy a little bit too. 
Same shit happens to us. We're right there. Yeah. Take a breath. Go outside, bro. We're not not going all 82 games. The funny thing, Maggio, is that it's like the inverse is happening to the Rangers right now because, like Ryan said, the Rangers, they've won four of six. They've gotten points in five of the six games. But at the same time, like, all this is happening because Igor Shosturkin has decided to be, like, Henrik Lundqvist on steroids. And he's. it's great that he's doing that because the New York Rangers – Decided they just don't want to score the puck. Don't want to do it. They're not interested. Don't so care. it's 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 hard to be like, I should be overly excited that the New York Rangers have started this year winning four road games and are 4-1-1. One, and one. But at the same time, it's just like, they got to fucking score. This isn't going to like, they're not going to have to be able to keep winning like this. It's almost you like... Know what? I need to interject because you guys sound just like us last year with the Knicks. They played so much defense, they could not score. They were winning games with all defense, and we're like, this is impossible, bro. It's impossible. They don't shoot the ball well. They never even shoot the ball from deep, and they're winning these basketball games. It blew our minds every single time. It made no sense. Well, I hope it stays that way. I hope we stay winning. I'll keep hitting if we keep winning. Uh, I have I have one final question for the two of you, and uh, I think this will be the most annoying question I give you in my apologies in advance. Uh, who's the next big target for the New York Knicks that they'll be trying to lure to the MSG? Who's the Knicks Jack Eichel? Yeah, who's the Knicks Jack Eichel? I, I, I love that. I love that bit, by the way. Fuck that uh, guy, man. <laughs> 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 like, Maggio, it's not even a bit. Like, it's, we don't want it to be a bit. We don't it's want just, it to be a bit. I, mean, I, call, I, call it a, I call it a bit because every time I, every time I see you guys tweet about it, it brings me great joy because I, I, love seeing, I love seeing you guys get as angry as I would get about Nick's stuff. And whenever you, whenever you guys tweet about it and go out and it, it's great. It makes me so that, upset. Like, the, they're. They were. I don't want to get into it. It's like nine hours. All right, who's is it? Zion? Is it who is it? I I don't think there is a target right now. To be honest, like you know, Maggio probably knows a little bit better than I do at this point. But it's but I think like you know they kind of have the roster that they have, and they you know brought back a bunch of guys, and I think they're they're pretty much set with who they have. You know, you heard like you heard names like Damian Lillard getting tossed around before the season, but that, you know, that, you know, you even heard, I think a couple of rumblings like Malcolm Brogdon before he signed his extension just to fill out that point guard slot. But Kemba Walker being there on a good contract for two years really, really helps just kind of like keep the ball moving and make sure that you always have that competent, you know, a competent scorer and a competent ball mover out there at all times. Um, I don't think one is truly solidified yet, and I don't think that's a bad thing for this team. All right, my turn. So Corbo was 100% wrong. They're going after Donovan Mitchell. They're going to rescue that guy from that Mormon state in Utah. They want to get him <laughs> out of there. They want to get him here. He is CAA-backed. We are owned and operated by CAA now. This is the worst conspiracy in the NBA. Nobody likes Utah. He fucking hates Rudy Gobert. He doesn't like where he lives. He's been angry at the fans numerous times. He'll post something, you know, Black Lives Matter, whatever, obvious support for uh, the immense amount of police atrocities in this country. And then he'll get backlash from his own fans, uh, the racism in his own arena that runs rampant two to three times a season. That guy is gone. He signed his his extension. He got his money. And we are biding our time. They're going to keep flaming out in the first and second round. And whenever he gets done fucking around in Utah, Lee Rose is going to pull the trigger. They threw a bunch of money at Evan Fournier. They, they're they going to pay Mitchell Robinson a bunch of money, and they're going to have a bunch of movable contracts. They're going to send these guys out to fucking Utah. I don't know who. <laughs> I hope it's not R.J. Barrett. Keep R.J. Send everybody not named R.J. or Randall, and then let's just start over. 
but it's Donovan Mitchell. I am telling you, it's Donovan Mitchell. It's not going to happen this year. Sometime next year is what I would, I, I would, I would bet. Hundred percent, Donovan Mitchell. This is like the only get it. This yeah, the, the only getting person... rumors started. By the way, so prepare for the aggregation. <laughs> no, per- no, perfect. No, because... Normally, I, I yell at everybody about these rumors, mind you. Normally, I'm like, ah, not again, not again. I believe this through and through. My entire heart believes this conspiracy. It's gonna happen. Greg, I, this is this just it just feeds my brand because one, the year Donovan Mitchell came out, I was the loudest human being on earth that said the Knicks should take him at eight, and they didn't. And then two, the only person on Twitter who tweets more about the New York Mets than me is Donovan fucking Mitchell. So I'm all in. His dad works for the Mets. He's from Greenwich, Connecticut. Let's get him home. Bring this man home. I'm all in. I'm all in. You don't got to say anything else. I did. Unlike you, I trade RJ to get it happen because I'm just a fanboy. But. I'm all in. I love starting this rumor. Uh, I'm all for it. Now, I got a my last question. Once upon a time, Ryan and I used to ask people who come on the show, uh, like, is a hot dog a sandwich? Ain't going to do that. Not bringing that bit back. However, I'd be remiss if I didn't have our NBA correspondents on this show and didn't ask the most important question that's lingering over the two worlds we live in. Who gets traded first, Ben Simmons or Jack Eichel? Oh, such a good question. Oh, man, I've been thinking about this. Ben is gone because the moment he steps foot on a court in Philly, they're going to throw socks filled with nickels and bars of soap, possibly bricks, directly in his direction. That guy is gone. He's never coming back. It's going to be a couple more weeks, and he's going to find a location. There's no chance that he's going to play for the Sixers this season. I still believe that. Yeah, I I would say Ben as well, only because I I think that – Daryl Morey and the whole situation over there knows how to get out of a bad situation better than Buffalo does as evidence over the last few years. Yeah. All Jack Eichel's going to do is sue. Buffalo's so, yeah, I'd, yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd say Ben Simmons will get traded first too. But hey, this whole bit started when we were talking about Chris Bryant and it was before a month before the trade deadline and very wrong. We yeah. both said Chris we both said Jack Eichel, and we were but very wrong. Well, I'll, I, I, it's been like nine months now. I was like, all right, here's the date. It has to happen. And I'm an idiot. Like, that's just all it's been. Um, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. It's been always a pleasure doing State of MSG, our yearly tradition. Um, anything you want to plug? Yeah, go to uh, supercorp.bandcamp.com. Oh, yeah. yeah, supercorp.bandcamp.com. That's where I'm at. You're gonna, you're, when you're on tour, go, tell me when you're in Philadelphia. I'll come hang out. We have a song named Capo Caco. So really? That. Okay, I'm going to yeah. check that out. I didn't know that. It's really good. Maggio? Microwave? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Still going? This is good? No, I'll plug for Maggio. It's good. I got it. The Knicks won't. I'm, oh, I'm back, though. No, sorry. Okay. Yeah, you never know what you're going to get. Sometimes it's the dog. Sometimes it's the air fryer. There's <laughs> chaos in itself. Um, so, so, yeah, just follow, look, follow the Knicks. They're doing a great job. About their 40 kick. I'm going to tease you here first. I have a fantastic Kurt Thomas tribute coming up when we hit 40K. It's the only way that you could do 40K for the Knicks the right way. But, yeah, follow us on the Knicks wall, man. Uh, biggest independent Knicks site still. Brand still. Uh, we're crushing it. Uh, obviously, we have a winning team to talk about, so go follow us there. Subscribe to the podcast and all that fun stuff. Um, that's pretty much it. Just Brand two big strong. independent brands being independent bros. That's all it is. All right, so uh, – that's all for our show. You can follow me on Twitter at Orimi. You can follow Greg at Blue Shirts Break. And we'll be back with OT later this week. I don't know what the hell we're talking about. But it should be a good time. And uh, that's it. We love you guys. Bye. And I want to thank our NHL Insiders Club supporters for making this podcast possible. Seriously, we couldn't do it without you guys. I'm actually waking up at 5 a.m. 
after this Ranger game, or 4th a.m. after this Ranger game, to go ahead and uh, fly to Kalamazoo. Very fun. And I couldn't be here without you guys, okay? Adam Cassidy, Adam Cohen, Adam Cheech, Adam Cheech, Alex Gardner, Alexander, Amber Cohensberger, Austin Beetleman, Ben Waters, Ben Weber, Biggies Malone, Brian Doyle, Broadway Blucher, Bleeder, Chris Finelli, CJ Stellwagen, Dan- Daniel Dazen, Dan- David Naredin, David Siegel, Dennis Dice, Eric Stagg, Georgia Britsky, Gib Gardner, Cuts, Harrison Hasco, Jake Berkowitz, Jerry and Marquez, JD, Jimmy Mack, John Hardesty, Chris from Florida, Christoph Berg, Kyle Franklin, Lazar Gronkowski, Lucas K, Matthew Kine, Max Nielsen. Welcome, Max Nielsen. Pavel Kodrev, Randy Tesser, Ryan Sheardon, Stephen Lomayer, Stigbo, Bullbox, Swingart, Swingart, the Drop BK, T- Tom, Tommy Siclari. One day I'll really nail that, Tom. I promise. Tommy O'Neill, Tori from Manhattan, Vinny Bracco, Vinny Hay, and Will Spector. Couldn't be here without you guys, every single one of you. Love every one of you. Uh, thank you so much for being our supporters, and we'll be back next week, uh, hopefully with some more fun stuff and maybe some better Ranger quality hockey, huh? Maybe that. Enjoy your week, everybody. Talk soon. Bye.